Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Ephrata Community Church Weekly Podcast, a conversation with our pastors and leaders meant to continue encouraging you to know God, know freedom, know purpose, and make a difference. Hey, Ephrata Community Church. Jim Ehrman here with none other than the man, the myth, the borderline legend, Joel Bomberger. Uh, hey, uh, just before we dive in, first of all, glad to have you. Uh, Joel spoke this last weekend at the church, and uh, I just want to remind you a little bit about who he is and what he is to us. Um, first of all, I like Joel. He's on the verge of being accepted into my heart. Um, now, let me tell you what I mean by that. I was last week, I was in Croatia um, with HarvestNet International, and it's probably one of the coolest gatherings of what I would call people who are gifted in certain offices. Like, mm. there was teachers there, pastors there, apostles there, evangelists there, and I'm missing one. Pastor. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> I left out the, the most common one. That's Sorry, why. Kevin. Um, but all that to say, man, they were just so profoundly uh, present. And it was so funny. I could identify Wayne Kaufman, who's my prophet that I go to when I want to talk to someone, him and Matt Swartz. Uh, I have Kevin, who's my lead pastor. I have Barry as an apostle. And then, of course, they look at me to be a teacher. So it's a lot of fun. Like, if Wayne's think about something, he'll actually... Send me his thoughts in and ask me to do lunch with him. It's a lot of fun. Right. But I announced in front of everyone, I have an open position from my favorite evangelist, like Ooh. gifted in the office of evangelist, right? And oh, Michael Schott's there from Germany, who's an incredibly gifted evangelist. And I said, it's down to like this crazy guy named Joel Bomberger, who's a candidate, <laughs> and Michael Schott in the room. So everyone cheered for him. So, Joel, you, gotta, you want to become my evangelist of choice. Now, I share that because um, I want to start off our chat and your talk yeah. with... Um, I think sometimes what happens when we talk about the offices, the Ephesian offices in the church, is that all of a sudden people start to say like, oh, like like Jim's a teacher, Joel's an evangelist, Kevin's right. a pastor, Barry's an apostle. And what we end up forgetting is that the entire church is gift to be gifted in little e-evangelism, right? Right. Okay, of course we have the guys like you or the girls that can just nail it when it comes to evangelism. Like something right. supernatural flows out of them. Yeah. But I have to tell you, man, you're opening stats on how many people don't even know what the Great Commission is, or maybe they identify it with the greatest commandment, like, oh, love your neighbor, you know, love God, love your neighbor. Like, I'm sure there's a lot going on there, but yep. I was just, you know, my heart goes out to the fact that we don't think about evangelism the way right. we should in these days, right? And yep. Uh, so thanks for reminding us, like, this is something we're called to. Yeah. Yeah, I always, I mean, I love that Ephesian passage because it says those five gifts in the fivefold ministry are for the equipping of the saints yes. for the work of the service. That's right. So if I'm the evangelist, my goal is to equip the saints, the people sitting in the church, to do evangelism. And I exactly. think a lot of times people go, oh, yeah, you're gifted in evangelism. And they usually use that as an excuse so that they don't have to evangelize. They're kind of like, oh, great, I'm glad you're evangelizing. I'm like, no, 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 if I'm doing it properly, I'm supposed to be stirring up that gift within yourself. That's right. In the same way as you as a teacher, um, of course I can teach. I'm just not a gifted teacher. Mm-hmm. And I should be teaching others because we're all called to disciple and teach. And when you want to get around you, it stirs up the desire to learn yeah. and desire to teach and expound on the scripture properly. That's right. So that's what we need to do properly yeah. in our gift mix. That's a great way to remind us, like, if anything, those of us who have these offices, after you've been with us, you should probably want more of what you just witnessed. Exactly. I, I felt that way after your message. You know, I uh, sometimes when I teach on evangelism, I remind people that it means to declare good news. 
Right. And I think a lot of people view evangelism simply as conversion. Right. Right. But some of the stories you told were incrementally moving people towards. In other words, yep. to declare good news over someone who's an atheist that there might be a God who loves, even before right. they say yes to that God, that's evangelizing at one level, moving them towards yep. into further into good news, right? Yeah. And then the beauty of you, though, is so many of your stories have that beauty of that climactic conversion experience as well. Yeah. But we also admit that evangelism is sowing in a little bit here, yes. a little bit there. Yep. And just declaring a little bit of good news over life, and then all of a sudden you see the, the thing come to full head and, and something beautiful happen. So yep. I get reminded when I hear you speak that I need to be out sowing that good news in yeah. all the time. I have no idea where it's at in the reaping of a soul. Right? Totally. So it's good. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's what I always remind people and myself. Like the stories remind me <laughs> as I share them that I'm like, man, I need to continue to be at this. I'm not, I don't consider myself a, a pro or have it perfect. You know, I miss opportunities all the time. But it really is salvation is found in an encounter with Jesus Christ. Yeah not with agreeing with a set of facts or, you know, converting them to your religion. They need an encounter with Jesus. That's right. So our goal is you have to understand the Holy Spirit is constantly at work in somebody's life. And He is leading and He is guiding. And you just have to tap into where they're at. And whether that's offering them an encouraging word in Jesus' name, whether it's praying for them, you're just offering an ability for the kingdom of God to come yeah. and touch them. And the Lord's going to lead them on, their, on that way. Yeah, I like to call it like a toolbox. Like I, I always say this, the Holy Spirit is, is staring at a life that he's pulling to Jesus, right? And he reaches for his toolbox of what he's going to use. Right. He's going to find certain tools there, right? Certain yes. instruments to be able to use. And, I want, and, I, and one of the things that you sharing reminded me of was, hey, the Holy Spirit's doing this work, but the Holy Spirit wants to reach and get the most efficient and well-prepared tool. Right. Because we all know what it's like to have a tool that actually is doing the job versus trying to use one that's <laughs> right. never do this, dude. I've, I've hacked up so many construction projects not using the right tools. But I, I think what we're saying is, man, are we available and, truthfully, tuning our hearts and minds to be the best kind of tool the Holy Spirit can reach right. for when the Holy Spirit's doing that work? And also, Resting in the fact that it is the Holy Spirit doing the work, right? right? Uh, and I just want to be available. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a really big, gorgeous thing. I think what's another thing that stood out from your talk, Dan Golnick, Pastor Dan, and I were talking this morning, and we both agreed was just the reminder of the role of compassion. I think you put it this way in the notes: Jesus saw people harassed by demonic ideologies and helpless without the gospel, and felt compassion for yeah. them. Um, and I, I, I tend to think if we're not careful, we actually think everyone's in active rebellion against God. Right. And it triggers something in us about anger toward them or exactly. frustration toward them. So we see something they read on Facebook or we hear something they say in public or we spot something on television and we actually get angry as if we need to defend the kingdom or something. Right. right? And it reduces our compassion in the situation. Yeah. And then I think it... it, it I actually think it reduces our ability to be used by the Holy Spirit in that yeah. moment. We become the wrong kind of instrument for the Holy Spirit yeah. to use. Yeah. yeah. More. And that's, it's, it's a rightful response to have, you know, what people call righteous indignation mm-hmm. against the demonic ideologies, mm-hmm. against what the devil is doing. But we wrongly then lump the people into that. 
and don't see that the people themselves are actually harassed mm -hmm. by that lie, That's right. and they are not aware of it. They're deceived. Mm -hmm. So we need to see past that and see that the person themselves are helpless. The person themselves are harassed, and when we can cut through that, we can actually help them out of it. You know, like the story of the yeah. the man on Instagram mm -hmm. is. I was triggered because I was like, "Man, this guy's cursing God, and he's yeah, yeah. he's man." Uh, you almost get the way David with Goliath is like, "You you can't defy the armies of the living." Right. God. I was just, just like, like bring "Are you, you kidding down. me?" And the tool in my tool belt I just thought about was you know, knowledge, mm. apologetics. I'm going to combat him with the best argument ever which I think is our go-to sometimes as Christians. When you're battling ideologies, that's where yeah, you want to go. Yeah, you're like, oh, knowledge. But yeah. we have to be aware, I said this earlier, that, that knowledge puffs up and love edifies. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we put knowledge on this pedestal, when God wants to come, His kindness leads them to repentance. He wants to show them His love first. Not saying that we throw out the knowledge or the brain or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But we just have to understand the proper tool in the tool belt. Exactly right. Totally, dude. And I, and I mentioned this to you just before we kick this off. You know, I used to be a seminary prof, and, I, and I, we were talking about this field of missiology, the, the, the actual mission of the church towards bringing the lost to a saving knowledge. And one of my favorite guys in that field, he's been dead for a couple decades, Leslie Newbegin once said, every missionary must become their own first convent, con convert, right? And I first remember reading it, like, every missionary must become their own first convert. I didn't even understand it. I had to reread the past. Totally. Again. And his whole key was this. He goes, hey, until you can understand the reason why someone's not following Jesus, mm. and you actually develop compassion for that reason, you're going to have a hard time ever leading them to the full knowledge of Jesus. So, in yep. other words, Jesus, when he was walking around, actually had compassion for why we were astray, right. why we were going on to our own path. He, he, he carried this active compassion while still being able to critique the path path we were on. Yep. And so therefore, those of us who can sit, I remember, I, I think I was jokingly tell you, like, I used to minister in evangelism on the campus at Yale University. Right. You talk about ideologies <laughs> that can peeve you off, right? Yep. The pride, <laughs> the, right? And I just remember when I began to understand why someone would pursue some of the answers they're pursuing as a way to try to understand the world. Um, I developed this compassion. All of a sudden, strangely, was yep. able to see people starting to encounter Jesus, right? Yeah. And, uh, and this world right now is pushing us toward angry polarization. Yes. And it's, it's damaging evangelism in a huge way. And thanks for pushing back a little bit on me yeah. yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I do, I believe, like, there's, it's, probably, it's a strategy of the enemy, but you see it in the media and just in general. They say things that I think they're actually intentionally trying to trigger Christians. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to be very careful how we respond. Mm -hmm. And we need to stand for truth. I'm not saying anything against that. Stand for the truth, mm -hmm. and we're not in any way swaying. But we need to be careful about getting triggered and, and looking at the individual mm -hmm. and the individual who are caught up in those. That's right. Because um, I can see, just for instance, the... I'll just touch it. The LGBTQ agenda. Mm -hmm. That's a hot topic people talk about coming against. And I can agree with that demonic ideology that is bringing confusion, is bringing uh, deception, mm -hmm. and I can agree that that is not right. Mm -hmm. But then when I have a few individual friends that are now going that way, when I approach them, I ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Because I want to, like you said, know 
why have you turned from the faith? Why have you started addressing this? Because I truly want to understand rather than just coming so hard against them mm-hmm. because I want to understand first in love. And they know that I'm not, yeah. I don't agree with that, but I, I need to ask the questions first so that I can understand why they're going away and then address the root problem. They're actually having an identity crisis. Yeah. They actually weren't seen by the church or whatever that is. And then we can actually address that issue and let the Holy Spirit uh, bring them back into freedom from their deceptions. That's right. And I, I'm going to get vulnerable here. I might even get in trouble. But I just want to share with you something that I see the church do sometimes that breaks my heart where we're so interested in establishing the kingdom, we don't we lose heart for the lost. Like, right. How do I say this? Like, it's a hard way to, like, we, we get to this point where the kingdom coming on earth almost looks political right. or, or almost looks like a power structure, right? Versus a posture, right? right? The kingdom of God is a posture, not a power structure. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is reminding us, I have come so that you can be more vulnerable, more loving, and hang out in the delicate space between us longer than most. Because I tend to find no one wants to spend time in the space between us because it feels like no man's land. And you might actually dilute me or pollute me. So I pull back, hold my position, right? And once I think you're willing to consider my position, I might lean forward a little bit, right? Right. And and to me, that means we're pushing a power or a position rather than a posture of, Joel, I'll meet you in the middle. I'll get vulnerable with you. Yeah, because I actually believe that in those moments, that's when the Holy Spirit can do the Holy Spirit stance between us. Right. right. And I, I tend to find that the, like this kingdom talk sometimes makes us feel safe that we don't actually have to be able to engage with people because engaging with people feels like the unsafe place. Yes. So little, uh, I'm into the kingdom. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I suggest to you that we sometimes use the kingdom as a way to keep arms distance from the actual people the king's trying to encounter. Right. right. So. Tricky business. And yeah, the kingdom comes through hearts, through individual hearts getting encountered by the truth and the love of the Holy Spirit. So there's a fine balance of, you know, the the kingdom structures being put in place, but then also the only way that is going to replicate and grow is through it impacting hearts as well. Yeah. And that's going to come, like you say, that space in between, that individual relationship where we allow the Holy Spirit to come. Yeah, I want to give you a couple seconds to talk about the sin, but just before we do it, I'd love to ask this question forever who's spoken, whoever's spoken the week before, like, man, if you could go back and hit one point again, or if there was one you couldn't get to, or there was one you ever get done speaking, you're like, oh, I wanted to drill in on X point or Y point, and I forgot to or didn't, whatever, yeah, I got yeah, distracted. Yeah. Man, is there anything looking back you'd want to hit again, or you were like, oh, if I would have had more time, I might have actually done this? Um. No, I mean, I feel great. I, I think I would continue. I think to, you nailed it. I yeah. think I would continue to hit that, like, look past the labels and the judgments and really um, don't get distracted. That was the one point was, you know, don't get distracted by your own needs and your own things, but allow God to really dictate the priorities and let him interrupt you, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're, I think, think it's spot on, like, uh, Jesus, when he's talking about the harvest there, it's not much later. We also have Jesus saying, I do what I see the Father doing today. Right. Right. Today, I, and there's something about who we are as a faith community. We do believe the Father today when I get up 
has some people that could cross my path. Right. He has a word for. He has yep. a moment for. And I'm his instrument to do that. That is a posture of expectancy. I always like to say this about African Community Church. One of the reasons I go here is that we're not just available to the Spirit. We have an expectation on the Spirit. Right. And who, I don't know. I don't know where some of you might be out in your journey with the community, but there's no doubt it's okay to hang in that. I want to be available. Matter of fact, some of you might come from backgrounds that didn't even leave room for the Holy Spirit. Just to be available to the Spirit is right. a huge step, right? I right. I make sure I honor that. But you hang out with this community long enough, it's not just being available. It's walking into the day with an expectation that the Spirit's actually reaching for a tool in his toolbox yes. or a tool belt. And I want to be it, right? And, yep. and so, so that's all over this conversation as yes. well. And it's a good reminder. Um, so I want to give you a little time on this end. Anything you want to drill home on that point um, as yeah. far as what's going on, what we're doing in light of it? Yeah, I mean, I would just say that the send happening on August 5th at the Santander Arena up in Reading um, is really a large catalyst to this conversation. That's right. You know, they are a big evangelistic movement that's not uh, with the goal to show up and blow up or create one event, mm -hmm. but actually we've been working hard over the past six months and over the past years nationally to link arms with the church and come alongside them as an evangelist to equip people to actually do the work. That's right. To yeah. go out uh, in their neighborhoods, in the high schools and colleges, in the nations, and in vulnerable children, those who are in need of permanent families. So mm -hmm. there's practical steps coming out of August 5th that will be given everyone. And I can just guarantee you, if you come to that arena on that day, your heart will be impacted by God. Mm -hmm. And we always, we tell congregations this, that you know the, the people that go will be the most pliable after that day yeah. because we know the Holy Spirit will be working on their willingness yeah. to go and then the fruit that's going to come from that from people taking action and saying hey, I want to go and you know the even things we're developing here at ECC and other local things that when people come to the arena and then say hey I I feel a fresh stir from God yeah. and I feel inspired equipped as a saint I want to get plugged in here we can get them plugged in and I believe there'll be incredible fruit this fall and the next years mm -hmm. from people uh, gathered on that day. That's right. So, and I just want to put in a plug as a, as a pastor of a local church. Um, I'm really proud of who we are at Ephrata Community Church that we have such a missional emphasis. If you're here any length of time, take one step is huge. That, but here's the challenge that we can sometimes face. That even if we can convince some of us to take one step, we oftentimes take a step toward knowing God or knowing freedom. It's a lot of, um, I, don't, I don't want to call it hyper-introspection, but let's face the fact, so much of what God's doing is trying to increase His knowledge of Himself yep. in our lives and break us free from some stuff, some stuff we're carrying generationally or, uh, or control stuff that we carry. But I want to remind you, we're also a community that sits and says that as the Lord does those works of knowing God, knowing freedom, then it's about make a difference, right? right? Make a difference. Know your purpose in that. And that's one of the reasons we engage with something like the send. It's a reminder like, hey, a church is the fullness of a church as it's doing missional engagement. There's four missional, out four missional outcomes that come out of this thing, right? <laughs> Joel ripped through them, you know, around evangelism, around caring for the marginalized, etc. And we want you to know that when the August date rolls around, the, week, the, the weekend services after that Santander event, we're going to have four in our gathering space. We're going to have four initiatives that line up with the four missional outcomes 
that show you specifically as even members of ECC. Here's yep. some partners that we partner with around marginal children. We're going to have their representatives there that day. Yep. Here's some things that we're attempting to do in regional and local evangelism. We're going to have representatives for that. So we're going to try to make it really practical for you to be able to dive into some stuff immediately so good. With, with even what ECC's up to in the area, much less the meta-level stuff that the sends up to as well. So hoping you can be a part of that. But hey, man, uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, and then I'm going to give Joel last words, send you off. Um, I want to let you know that this coming weekend's graduation weekend. We want to honor those people that reached what we would call these kind of rite of passage or a milestone marker um, and mark a moment for them. We don't think we do this enough in culture where we slow down and have these marker moments in our people's lives. Not even just young people. People could be graduating from college in their 40s and 50s and decided that, that was part of what God was going to do. We want to celebrate them. So this weekend, Oliver's going to be bringing the message, our pastor of student ministries. Um, and also, we're going to be honoring all of our graduates. Then we're going to dive back into the last six miracles. Remember, we're looking at the seven signs that John talks about, the seven miracles of Jesus in the book of John. We started with one. We're taking the weekend off for the sand, and then we're also taking a week for graduation. Then we're diving back into six weeks straight of why John in particular chose these, these, um, these miracles to say these were signs pointing to us, the fact so that God was among us. It's going to be a good time. So Any good. final words, good man? I would just say um, come to The Send. Go to thesend.org to find out more and to purchase your tickets. It will be well worth your time. You will be incredibly encouraged. Mm. And I believe it is a moment like even God called the Israelites to kind of solemn assemblies into moments of time where we come together. I believe this is a moment for our region. So please come uh, and we look forward to what God's doing this summer. Glad to have you here, man. Woo! Glad you're part of us. All right, people, take care. Have a great week. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. We hope that you've been encouraged by listening and that you'll join us again next week. You can listen to previous episodes, find additional resources, and of course, learn more about us at effortofcommunitychurch.com.